0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. So I got this, uh, I got this box and I want to show you what's in this box. Uh, Actually, let me move this so you can see it, but this is, well, this is my me box. See that? I don't know if you know this, but you all have one. Um, so. Don't judge me because you've got a me box too, but like, uh, this box is kind of taking the things that are part of my life and if I could represent them with an item and put them in a box, that's what would be in this box. And so let's see, I've got a couple things. Well, of course this one's got to be in here. Uh, this is a picture. It's kind of of glare, but that's me and my wife, Lindsay. Uh, I have it in the back of a three ring binder because, uh, it wasn't in a frame, and so I put it somewhere so it wouldn't get bent up. That's why. But uh, my wife and I started dating in 1999. Uh, we actually celebrate 12 years of marriage this coming May. And so she's been a big part of my life, big part of my journey. And she's seen me make some major mistakes. And I think occasionally she's seen me succeed at some things. And she's been my biggest cheerleader. And so, of course, my wife would be in my box of me. You get it? So that's, that's what's something that's in my box. Oh, this is fun. Okay, this. You thought it was going to be a picture of my kids, right? Nope. This is a soccer ball uh, because I think uh, second only to the commitment I made to my wife, I think yesterday I started in the second greatest commitment of my life. Both of my kids started soccer. Yeah, you got any soccer parents out there? Oh my goodness. It's like, when does it end? And we're looking at the calendar, like, yeah, when are we going to breathe? Okay, we'll just play soccer for the rest of our lives. So from here on out, we've got two practices a week, two games a week, and guess who gets to go to all of them? This guy! So, we're doing soccer forever now. Uh, I got a lot of stuff in here. Um, this is, this, I have to say this. This, uh, if you know me, this is my Dallas Cowboys. This is a, this is a double whammy actually, cause this is a coffee mug and it's a Dallas Cowboys coffee mug, which makes it the most awesome coffee mug. Um, but I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, which is a big part of my life. I, I do that during uh, football season and we talk smack the rest of the year, wishing it was football season. But it's also a coffee mug. I don't have an office of my own. And so I share every single Port City Java in town with every other person that doesn't have an office. And so I drink a lot of coffee and I hang out with people. And so there's a lot of stuff in this box. And that's my box. Uh, you got a box too. Uh, I don't know if you brought yours with you. Did anybody bring their box? I, I got one I can share. Um, some, some of the things in your box might be different. Like, uh, oh, here's one. This is an apple. Some of you guys are teachers, educators, and, uh, Apple represents a teacher. Maybe a, an Apple a day keeps a doctor away, so maybe you're the anti-doctor, I don't know. Um, but maybe your students brought you an Apple, or they should have, so maybe you'd have an Apple in your box, or some chalk and erasers, I don't know. Computers, whatever. Uh, people like chalk, who uses chalk? Uh, what else is in, oh, some of your students. And so I've got this, um, this is a textbook, actually it's not, it's a Scott school- Skulas, school- Scholastic's Children's Dictionary, because we don't have college textbooks in my house anymore. But, um, maybe you've got a bunch of textbooks in your life, and that's like, it's in your box. You spend a lot of time with these things. You're studying, you're memorizing, you're making note cards. What else is in your box? I don't know. Maybe you've got, oh, I've got a, this is a Zaxby's cup. Um, and, uh, it just represents fast food, uh, but maybe you hang out with your friends, you go somewhere, you do something. Maybe you've got some movie tickets or some concert tickets because you've got a friend you hang out with. You get it? Like there's stuff in your box and it's all kind of, uh, this one. This will be the last one I do. This is uh, one of our old phones. Um, I, I did some reading this week. Um, the average American in 2014 spent 15 hours a week looking at a screen like this. A smartphone screen. That doesn't include time on the internet. And it's funny, we're all judging the rest of the world, but then we're realizing that this is the average. So there's a lot of us in here. And actually, it would probably be fair to say that that survey was taken online on a phone, so it's probably skewed. But 15 hours a week, or even it's five hours a week, that's a significant chunk of your life that you spend looking at a phone, doing this. <laughs> yeah, goat's funny. I like goats. And we do that, right? If we, so it's in your box. That's the whole point. It's in your box. What do we do with what's in this box? Um, I think when we when it comes to the stuff that's in our life, one of our goals is to kind of use it to its best. Would you say that's true? Like if you've got a skill, if you've got a talent, you want to do it. This guy we showed earlier, he was able to make a clarinet out of a carrot. At one point do you think, you know what, I've got a little free time. i will make a clarinet out of a carrot. <laughs> like that's what he did. Um, when you look at... Uh, what happens in this box, though? It's real easy for us to get really bogged down in this box and realize, well, where does God fit into all this? And so that's kind of the question I want to explore today. The, the thing is, if we don't explore that question, if we don't individually ask ourselves, where does God fit into this box, then I think we might run the risk of living a life that we're not real proud of. I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, it was... Uh, it was my wife's senior year of high school. We actually dated in high school. And um, I had gone back to her senior prom. I had graduated. I'm a year older. Because I was that guy who was dating a high school girl and hanging out still at the prom. So I was there and I walked in the room and it was it was bumping and it was cool. and It was awesome. And I looked across the room and I saw this teacher and uh, her name is Miss Corbett. She's one of my favorite teachers that I ever had. Uh, she was one of those super substitutes. Did you ever have one of those teachers who was the, the like the permanent substitute? So when someone was out, it was always that one person because they were the best substitute that you had. So I had her not only did I have her a couple times in a couple of classes but for four years in high school I had her in every subject. And so she became one of my favorite teachers. And so when I saw her at this prom, I It's like I gotta say hi to Mr. Corbett, so I walk over and we're doing small talk. And she goes, "Well, Chris, what are you up to these days?" I was so proud because before uh, my freshman year of college, I had made the decision to go to a Christian college, to a Bible college. I said, "I "I want to, I want to be in ministry." I want to work in ministry. I want to work with teenagers. Yeah, I want to help them learn about God. And so then I just start telling her all about the stuff I'm doing. I've got this, this part-time job lined up for the fall. And we're going to be moving. Uh, I'm driving up to Virginia to work at this church. It's going to be great. And church, church, church. And God, God, God. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I didn't notice the face that Miss Corbett was making. So she was kind of like, huh? Very confused. So she let me do my whole spiel. And then she said, well, that's really, that's really great to hear, Chris. Wow. In all the years I've known you, i I would have never guessed that you were even a Christian. Now, you got to understand, I was a Christian. I wasn't like some miraculous convert my freshman year of college. I was a Christian. I went to church. I was very involved in my youth group. For crying out loud, I was the president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the high school. Like, I was very Christian, but not when she saw me. See, she didn't see me in those other areas. She only saw me in certain spaces in my life, particularly, like, Algebra 2 class when Mr. So-and-so was out of town and he she's a substitute. I was cutting up had a foul mouth on me I was hanging out with a group of guys that we did bad stuff And what she walked away from was I would have never guessed that you were even a Christian now here's here's the thing. I've got a secret I'm going to share it with you guys because I trust you uh, But it's, it's a secret that I, I've had for years and, and here's the, Here's the secret. I just actually got down here. Let me get it the secret is at the time, and actually still today, sometimes I had another box. This is my God box. Let me show you what's in my God box. I uh, got a Bible here. Read through my Bible. Bibles are good for learning about God, right? So I got I got a Bible in my God box. I got um, this is uh, this is actually a book I'm reading right now to help me do Bible study, right? I've got this in here. This is a clock. It represents time. Because I set aside time for God like I pray and I write things down. Um, I added this this morning to push it again. I might even give food to nourish and see for the food drive that we're having until March 28th. But yeah, do good things for people. That's my God box. I got a, I got, here's my, here's this. I got an invite card for church. Because every now and then, you know, I want to invite somebody to come to do something that I'm doing with God. This is my God box. Here's the reality. It's true then. It's true for me now. Sometimes I fight it Like crazy. But there's things in my life that I call mine. And then there's things in my life that I call God's. And a lot of times, they don't share a box. There's no bridge. There's no little doorway. Just two boxes. I don't don't know if I'm talking to anybody this morning. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you found yourself in a position where you're like, man, I really should be doing this. But instead, I'm going to do this. There's this conflict here there are these two boxes here's the thing the the reason that many people decide they don't want to be a part of church they don't want to be a Christian this is the number one reason when you when you do surveys and stuff they say because I don't want to be a part of a group of people who is full of so many what hypocrites yeah I'm guilty as charged Hypocrite. Hypocrite when you say you're going to be about and do and believe one thing, but your actions show something completely different, right? And so often that's one really easy excuse that we can use to say, you know what, I, I can't go all in, so I'm just not going to try. And we'll, and we'll be hypocrites, Or and a lot of times, maybe you're here today and you haven't done much church, you just came with a friend, or you've only been coming for a few weeks, and you've decided, you know what, I'm going to give this a try, but I don't want to do this if I'm going to do it halfway. But the problem exists still. Because it's really easy for us to compartmentalize our life. It's really easiest for us to act one way here and then go to work tomorrow. And when we're surrounded by different people in a different situation, what? We act a different way, right? It's, just, it's natural. We just do it. I'm just calling us all out. We just do it. But how do we bridge the gap between these two boxes? Is it even possible? That's what I want to spend some time talking about today. We're in this teaching series uh, right now called Thrive, and uh, this is our final week. We've been on it. This is our fourth week, and through the series, we've just talked about various ways that we can not just survive and get by, but really thrive. Vigorously, the definition of thriving is just something that's going to continue to grow and produce fruit and become stronger. Like that's what a thriving plant would be. A thriving human life would be one that's, someone that's eating well and, and working out and their body's working well. They're thriving. Failure to thrive is the opposite, right? It's kind of a slippery slope towards the opposite of life, right? And so our goal of this series has been taking looks at how can we really thrive? How can we grow? And Patrick shared last week about the idea of staying connected to the vine, like God is the vine. If we can stay connected to him, we can get the nourishment we need and we can produce fruit in this world. But even that, even that connection to God leaves a little bit of a disconnect because sometimes we're like, well, I'm connected to God now, but not always. How do we bridge the gap? You know, uh, if anyone got this, it was this guy named Paul. He wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Uh, I love Paul's story because of the transformation that takes place. Paul started out as a very devout Jew by religion and by nationality. And as, as a Jew, uh, the Christians were coming up. They were becoming very prominent. And, and Paul saw the Christian movement on the rise, and he didn't like it because he saw it as a perversion of Judaism. So he went and he gets permission for some of the Jewish leaders to go and find people who claim to be Christians, Jewish people who claim to be Christians, and kind of call them out and say, listen, I want you to renounce your faith in this Jesus guy. You got to do it. And so he's pretty effective. He gained quite a reputation. This is Paul. And he'd go around, he'd go to people's houses, he'd kind of bring them out in their yard and say, listen, you need to renounce this Jesus or I'm going to punish you. We even have record of him executing people and be involved in executions. It's hardcore. This is Paul. But here's the thing. We can read about it in Galatians chapter 1. You can also see it in several different places in the book of Acts. Paul gets the opportunity to come into contact with Jesus. He learns who Jesus is, that Jesus isn't just some crazy radical perversion of Judaism, but actually a direct link and connection to God. He comes completely convinced of who Jesus is and turns his entire life from being someone who persecutes Christians to someone who is a Christian and becomes the greatest Christian missionary to ever live. And so we find Paul, and he writes a lot of letters to various churches around the Mediterranean region. And that's what most of the New Testament is, is letters from Paul that um, that he wrote to these churches. Uh, for example, he writes one to the, the, the church in Rome, and he talks about this conflict. He says this. Maybe you can relate to this. He says, the things that I want to do, I just, I can't seem to do. <laughs> the things that I don't want to do, not that everything in your me box is bad, but some things that I don't want to do, I just keep doing He just talks about this conflict in his soul of like, man, I just, there's good things I want to do, but I just keep doing bad things instead. And there's bad things that I don't want to do, but I, I mess up. And so that's Paul. He's writing to a church in Colossae today. And so if you've got a Bible, I want you to look in there and we're going to be looking at one of his letters, the book called Colossians. And I'll have it on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible this week, or if you just don't have one, a good one at home, I want you to know we give them away for free. Um, they're, They're in the back. You can grab them and want everybody have a good readable version of the bible but we're going to be in colossians chapter 3 verse 17 paul kind of jumps into the answer to the question of how do i bridge this gap between what is my god box and what is my me box let's check this out we're going to read this several times today this is what he says in colossians 3:17 he says in whatever you do whether it's in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through Him. Let me read that one more time, and we're going to kind of contextualize it here in a second and find out what that means. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Leave that up just for a minute. Whatever you do. Let let me ask you a question. What do you do? What do you do? What would be in your box? Or if you want to throw the gimmick out the window and the prop, just forget that. Just think. What do you do? If you had to write down like the top three things that you do, what would they be? You can do it right now if you want to do it as an exercise. Text it to yourself. I don't know. Just think about what, what makes you up. Is it, is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your talents? Is it the things that you're known for? Is it the things that you're known for being bad at? Like, what are the things that make you up? What is your makeup? What do you do? How do you spend your time, your energy, your money, your talents? What do you do? I went over that several times because I see some of you write notes, I see some of you thinking. Now, once you've nailed down what it is that you do, there's this notion. That somehow when you become a Christian, you have to have no life. Like whatever it is that you do, if you're gonna be a Christian, you have to just like, whoops, kick that out the window, can't have any fun anymore. The things that I love about my life I can't do anymore because that's what Christianity is. Christianity is what you can't do. You know, that's, that's especially how I felt as a young man. It's like that's just what I can't do. It's a list of things that, that are bad. I can't do I can't date the way that I want to, I can't go to parties the way that I want to, I can't talk the way that I want to, I can't watch the movies that I want to watch. I mean, that's that's kind of sometimes the, the little impression that comes with what it is to be a Christian. But here's the thing. I love that that is not at all what Jesus says. In fact, Jesus says something quite the opposite. Let's take a look at this. This is uh, from the Gospel of John. John 10.10. 10. He says this. This is Jesus' words. He said, I have come that they, that's you, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. There's this notion that, you know, if I'm going to live for God, if I'm going to do the Jesus thing, i got to have no life. Jesus says, um, no, I have come so that you could have life. That's the reason I came. It's just that maybe your perception of what real, abundant, full, I love this word, full life is. Jesus doesn't want to rob us of life. He wants to pump us up with life. I just heard a, a story from my buddy uh, who's got, he's got four kids. He's got two younger kids and man, they were, they were excited because they were about to go to Disney. And they told their kids, we're going to Disney. It's going to be awesome. And so they build it up for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there's all this anticipation. You ever done that with your family, with your kids? Like, we're going to Disney. And it's just like, ah. I've now been, I think, three times it's not made for grown-ups, I'm pretty sure. But it was it was still really cool. And so but they were excited. Their kids were ready to go. And so I remember he was telling me their, their trip down there was so much anticipation. They live in North Carolina. So the drive there was great. And every time they stop somewhere, they're talking about Disney. And they start to see the signs and Mickey Mouse is everywhere. Yeah, Disney's here. And they get to the parking lot. And it's like, oh, we're here. And you drive underneath the big thing. that says, welcome to Disney. And you get in the parking lot. Now, if you've ever been to one of these theme parks, especially Disney, uh. Maybe you've experienced this. There's like this train system you get on to get into the park. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a monorail. It's like you get on this train and the kids are like, oh, here it goes. And so they get on the train and they're like, yes, this train is awesome. So they're in the train and they're looking out the window and they're seeing everything pass by. It is so awesome. And they're talking to their parents about their parents. You guys decided to be at Disney? Yes, we're excited. So they get so pumped about being in this train. Now, then something unexpected and crazy happens. They get to the final stop and it's time to get out of the train. Come on, guys, time to go. No. Come on, time to go. No, we don't want to leave. What? It's it's time to go. No, we just got here. Guys, we're finally at the place we've been planning for this. This is it. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave Disney. They thought the train was Disney. They had built up in their mind this expectation of how awesome Disney was going to be. And so not to let themselves down. When they got in the train, they enjoyed it to the full. But here's the problem. It wasn't Disney. It wasn't disney it wasn't even a mickey mouse in there you know no magic kingdom no princesses no castles it was the ride to get there and here's where i'm going with this This is often what we do with the life that god promises us god says i got this thing for you i've got life i've got it to the full and then we get distracted by something in the parking lot we're like sweet this relationship is awesome this movie is stellar This way that I talk makes me feel so cool. This thing that I do to my body is awesome. And God's like, what? No, no, no. Wash your hands. That's, that's not what I've made for you. That's just out there. Come in here. Becoming a Christian is not about losing your life. It's about discovering what real life is. Let me tell you, it is amazing on the inside. And Paul says to bridge this gap to start with, he says, whatever you do. Let's go back to that verse again. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, there's a shift there. First, I think it's important to understand that Jesus is not only okay with us having a life, but he wants us to have life. He says, Whatever you do, do stuff. Do stuff. That's great. I want you to do stuff. That's fine. But he doesn't say do whatever. You follow the difference? Whatever you do, not do whatever. Whatever you do, let's follow the rest of that sentence. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, look at this, this verse here. I've underlined it, bolded it. I think the, the most pivotal word in this whole verse, by the way, this would be a great one to memorize, like if you're someone's trying to find some Bible verses to memorize, this right here. This will change everything in your mind if you can start to think of it like this. This word Lord, I believe it's the most important and most pivotal word in the whole verse. And this is why. What is Lord? What does it mean? What what does that word mean? Um, In the New Testament, uh, well, the New Testament was written in Greek. And when we translate the word kurios, which is translated Lord, there's actually another word that could also be translated as well that I think maybe we can grasp a little bit stronger. The word is master. Master. Master, Lord, or Master. What is Lord or Master? Well, I think that, uh, the word Lord or the word Master, it kind of indicates, it kind of implies a couple of things. I, there are two things I want to say that it implies. The first one is this service, service, servanthood. Uh, anybody watch Downton Abbey? You know that show everybody's watching? Yay! 100 years ago! It's cool. And was that even longer than that? I don't even know. But there was this, uh, there's this picture of, 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 of uh, the Lord of the Manor. And if you go into like this old British lifestyle and you've got almost like the feudal system of the, the Middle Ages, but you've got this idea that there's the Lord of the house, then everyone else in the house is subservient to Him. And so it's, yes, my Lord, would you like more tea with your old crumpets? And that's what they would do, and that's why. Because there's this concept of, you're the Lord, I'm the servant. Now, it's interesting when we put that context and overlay it over things that are said about God and us, especially Jesus and us. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, there's this submission implied. I, I said that two things could be implied. The first one is like service, servanthood, maybe submission. Pick one of those S words. The other one is this, loyalty. Loyalty. Um, I was trying to think this week about what would be one of the like, clearest examples of someone who is loyal no matter what to their post or their position or the person that they serve. And one of the things that really popped up to me is the Secret Service that served the President of the United States. I mean, these guys, it's not a political position. Secret Service, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some really cool made-by-Netflix-only TV show just about the Secret Service. I don't know really what it's like, but in my impression, Secret Service is about Saying, look, I am here to protect and preserve the office of the president at all costs. I don't care if he's a Republican. I don't care if he's a Democrat. I don't care if he stands for my platform or not. My role is to serve him, to take a bullet for him if I have to. This idea that says, you know, I am loyal to you no matter what. We live in a culture, 2015 America, like we really don't get the loyalty of, of a king and, and the nation but if you go back through history and you look at nations who have kings, man, their king was the heartbeat of their nation. We would do anything for our king. Everything rise and falls for the king. It wasn't all this political dialogue that we have today. Well, I don't like him. Let's wait four more years and we'll get a new guy in office. No, for the king, it's like he is our nation. He represents who we are. Now, these things are not a one-for-one comparison with how we relate to Jesus, but they're, they're very similar because what it says here is that whatever you do, whether it's in word, the things you say, or in deed, the things that you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus talked about this concept of Lord and Master once. Um, he was telling a story in the book of Matthew, and, and, and this is what he says about two masters, or about masters. He says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one. And despise the other. Jesus is telling this story, and I just kind of imagine these two, these two masters, and this one servant. Okay, and so just picture this for me, if you will, kind of in a comical way. You got this one guy he's a servant, and in the morning, let's say he serves master number one, and he's like a field hand, and so he's out there and he's he's raking in the gardens, and he's pruning things, and he's doing all the things that you do, and his role as a servant is working hard, and he's sweating, and he's going, he's going, he's going, he's going, and he's giving homage to the master. And then that shift is over, so immediately he's trying to serve two masters. He heads down the street and he goes to the other place. Now, and here he's like maybe a, a Houseworker, worker so he's in there and he's doing kitchen work and he's doing laundry and he's helping bring the the uh the lord of the house all the things he needs and he's going around he's taking care of the children and he's doing all these things go 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 and he's tired but then that shift is over but guess what happens shift over to another master so he's, over and he's working in the yard again he's going here and here he's getting all sweaty he's getting sunburned and he's out here and he's like ah this shift is over and he goes over here to the second master and back and forth you get the picture back and forth back and forth back and forth it's exhausting it's exhausting so jesus says no one can serve two masters you can't do it. It, it defense, defeats the whole purpose of having a lord, of having a master. Uh, Taylor Swift was talking uh, last week on Jimmy Fallon, and uh, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you like Taylor Swift or not. I don't really care. Uh, what, you can't deny that she's just brilliant. Like she has done something right, apparently. And so she's on Jimmy Fallon, and Jimmy is talking to her about her country music career and her pop music career. Now, I remember when she first came out, she was 15, and she was singing the songs, and she was like the reason for the teardrop on my guitar, and I'm like, man, she is is all country. And then uh, over here, she chirps out, she's like, trouble, 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 and she's got like this this whole pop movement going on. The thing is, she was brilliant at both, but recently, she kind of made this big revelation that she's stepping away from country music to focus more on this pop and rock side that she's doing. So Jimmy Fallon's talking to her about that. He's like... Oh, come on. you got to bring us some more country music. Like, are you going to bring us that? Is it going to be someone on the next album? She said, my producers asked me the same question. And this is what she told them. She said, if you try to chase two rabbits, you end up losing them both. You follow that? You try, she didn't make that up. It's an old proverb. But if you try to chase two rabbits, you wind up losing them both. You can't serve two masters. Back to the boxes. Do we see a problem? It's impossible to fully devote myself to me and then turn around and say, I'm all about God. It's impossible, so, so what do we do? Well, here's the problem. I, I think there's some mixing and some intermingling that we can, we can do in these two boxes, and I'm going to talk about this. But the problem is, if we don't get this under control, only one of them will end up being our master. Only one of them will end up being our Lord. And if we're all honest, it's probably going to be this one. There are some things in this box that can hold some serious sway over us. I don't know what's in your box. I know what's in my box. And I know there's some things in our boxes that don't need to be there. Like, maybe there's some stuff in your box that you didn't didn't put in there. Maybe as a... I'm getting real right now, so I'm being gentle, but I want you to realize that maybe this is something that's in your life that's just happening. But maybe you you experienced abuse as a child and... It's in your box. I mean, you can tuck it away. You can try to hide it. But it's it's in there, right? Maybe your parents split up while you were younger or even older. And, and it's like, you didn't want it in there. You didn't put it in there. You didn't ask for it. But, you know, I'm really sorry. But it's it's in your box. And there's things in there. You learn things. The things I learned on the school bus when I was in third grade, man. You, something you just can't unsee. <laughs> and boom. It's in the box. There's some things in there that you you didn't put in your box. Am I right? You didn't have anything to do with it, but it's life. There's also some things in here that you did put in there. <laughs> you did, and they don't need to be in there. These are things that, I mean, sinful things. These are our, our addictions. These are our, our secret sin that we don't want to talk about. We don't want our friends to know about. We don't want our spouses to know about. We don't want our kids to know about. We keep it to ourselves we, we did it. We readily accepted these things into our life. Maybe we just thought it would just be a little bit, and more and more got in our body. But you know what? There it is got to take just a second and talk about this because I think this is real, 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 real life. There are things in our box that don't need to be in there. Some of them that we didn't put in there, some of them that we did. Those things need to be dealt with. It's it's sometimes uh, tempting to come to church or go to uh, something even just religious and say, "You know what? I'm just going to try to brush everything else from my life under the rug that happened before now. <laughs> I'm going to start fresh." And that's really what Jesus offers. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But the reality is. It's still in the box. And so if you've got some, some things in your box that just need to be worked out, maybe you need to find a trusted friend that you can begin to talk to, seek some counseling. Maybe there's some habits that you just need to start breaking uh, and get some accountability for. Whatever it is, I want to tell you those things aren't healthy in your box and it's going to make it harder and harder to keep this thing from becoming your master. But it returns to the question. How do we bridge the gap? I think... When I think about bridging that gap, one of my favorite um, passages... Actually, I want, I want to hold on to that. I want to hold on to that. I want to save that till last. Um, I think there's two ways we can deal with these boxes, okay? Two ways we can deal with these boxes. The first one is we try to combine the boxes in some way. Now, this isn't necessarily bad. It's not a terrible thing. Uh, one thing we try to do is we try to uh, we try to take some God and we try to like... Find some room in our life for God, and we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start reading the Bible every now and then. There's some right here before work. I got some time, right? We do that, try to make some room, and uh, maybe uh, this is my time I want to spend with God. Like, you know what? I think I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna get rid of this thing, and I'm gonna have some time for God. And what we do is we try to incorporate God, we try to massage Him into our life, and it's not terrible. It runs the risk of becoming religion. Versus relationship with God. Like this is the list of things. If I do these and I check them off. Then I'll be good with God. We talk about that all the time here. That that's not what God's asking for. He's not asking for you to perfectly execute a list. Because apparently we're not good at that. God says I'll, I'll take care of forgiving you and giving you grace. But but I think there is a good place to start. When it comes to just trying to put God into our life. There's another flip side to that first option. Which is the opposite. Instead of trying to put God into our life. Maybe we try to take the things that we're all about. And we put them into our God box. Um, this is what we've done with uh, music. This has happened with music. Uh, lots of really great musicians say, you know what? I'm going to take all my music. I'm going to put it all in the God box. And so from this, we've developed like, I mean, just whole subcultures of things, Christian music and Christian fashion and uh, Chick-fil-A. I mean, there's just, there's just great things they We've got great things and let's just put the whole thing in the God box. That's not terrible either. That's a great practice, especially for stuff like music and fashion, and but not our life I think both of those options are good, but about halfway right. I think the real solution comes in what only Jesus can offer. Let me, let me show you. I, I got a third box. I'm just going to put it right here so you can see it. See, this box is a box that we can't get anywhere else but Jesus. That sign says new creation. This is my new box. When we're over here trying to shuffle things in and out of our boxes, who's doing the work? Me. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to come and say, you know, if I, just, if I could just read my Bible more, if I could just attend church more often, if I could just talk more about, if I could give more cans to needy kids, if I could give more money to charity, that would fix it. But the problem is that's me doing the work. And if I've learned anything about My relationship with God is that he needs to do all the heavy lifting. And I need to be along for the ride. Jesus says, uh, Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Like if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've accepted him. If you've said, I want to be obedient to you and make you my Lord, make you my master. I want to I want to go, I want to be baptized, I want to receive your Holy Spirit, that whole nine yards, I want to be a Christian, this is what it says, Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here, God gives us a fresh start, hey, the cool thing is this, he lets us keep most of this, he's like, you know what, you want to take your kids to soccer practice, that's great. But don't just take them to soccer practice and try to make time to pray. Leave as a new creation and take your light that I put inside of you and shine it as you go to soccer practice. Don't be the jerk dad yelling at the stands at the poor six-year-old who missed the ball. with your love and compassion and joy as you do that. Put it in your new box. And, 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 and don't be a Cowboys fan and a coffee addict just because you think it's cool. No, use your opportunities. This is what I love about being able to work in coffee houses. I get to talk about God with people that I run into. And and you know, there are a lot of us who joke around about sports in here, but wait, what if we took our passion for sports and said, "Hey, let's let's use this to edify one another and bring each other up." What's cool is we haven't opened a Bible yet, but we're able to take the things that God has allowed us to have in our box and use them in our new box, a new creation that God remakes. And he takes the old, and he throws it away, and he brings the new in. And all this stuff starts to get incorporated. What about school? Why are you in school, students? Why? College students? Like, what, what's your goal? Get rich? Get a sweet house? Get a big old fat mortgage you can pay for for 30 years? That'd be awesome. What if you looked at your life as a student and said, man, how could I further the kingdom of God through what I'm learning here? You want know, to be a missionary or a preacher. Be a nurse or a marine biologist or a teacher. It's awesome. Because we need you out there talking about the things God does. You answer phones for a living? Are you fixing stuff constantly? Take your new box and shine His light. And on and on it goes with all the things in our life. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. What is it that you do? What's in your box? Listen, I just want to take a a minute as we close out this Thrive series to just make this very clear. We, We can't thrive without Jesus. We can't. He's the one who gives us the opportunity to come into contact with the life that God brings. We can't thrive by trying our best to move things around in the box. We can't thrive by just talking a big talk about God. We can only thrive by saying, I want to make you my master and my Lord and my King. Now, I just want to say something to, to some of you in the room today. It, it might be that you come. and We always make a point to say this because, man, our signs say church for people who don't like church. And maybe you were invited here on the pretense that, like, I mean, if you don't do God, you don't do church, you don't do Christianity, you're welcome to hang out. I want to tell you something. That is never more true than it is right now. What I want to encourage you to do is just stick around for a few weeks and just see if what I'm saying is true. Watch people who have said, I want to give my life to Jesus and see, is it different for them? Did they lose their life or did they actually gain it? Are they living a life that's floundering or are they in a place where like, I'm, I'm thriving? Maybe you're in a position where you've been doing this for just a few weeks, a couple months, and you're like, you know what, I, I think what I've been doing is trying to put some things in different boxes myself. But I need to give it over to God. I would love to invite you to make that decision today. I just want to give it over to God. I can't do it by myself anymore. In a minute, I'm, I'm going to step off the stage, um, and uh, we're going to do a time of reflection and communion. Uh, if, if you're bold enough to want to come talk to me right now, I'll just step right over there just for a minute. Um, but at our church, we actually don't force anybody to like, walk forward and stand at the front because, well, frankly, the Bible doesn't say we have to do that. Um, so maybe coming up front right now is a little something that you're a little shy of. I want to encourage you, whoever you came with, whoever you're sitting near, Maybe someone that you feel like is like, I think they kind of go to church here a lot. Let me just talk to them. Just grab them. It could be me. It could be somebody else. And say, I'm ready. I want to give, give my life full on to God. Week before last, we had a young man, Zach, decide to do that. He got baptized. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing it again with Kayleen. She talked to me. And she was like, look, I'm ready. I'm doing this. I'm excited. Lives are being changed. Why? Because we realize that God gives us a new box. This series has been fun for me to get into because, I'll tell you why, uh, i just take a second to be just real transparent. Uh, has it been four weeks ago, the fifth week ago, the YMCA called on fire. And I woke up that morning and uh, I had a bunch of text messages, like, they basically said, your whole day is going to be changed. Um, and so I looked at that and I thought, what, man, what do we do as a church? But it was so cool. When we got to go to the park that day, you guys that were there, to step back and remember that. Being lives changed by Jesus has nothing, nothing to do with what happens in this room compared to what happens every other minute of our week. I want to encourage you guys to go out of here as love agents. No matter where you are in your commitment to Jesus, like maybe you're just getting started, maybe you've been doing it 20, 30 years, but just go out of here and say, you know what? This is not about me. This is about him and the light he can shine into this city. And go out of here and and, and find somebody that's a friend of yours. We're going to talk in a minute in a a video about inviting your friends to Easter Sunday. But look, don't, don't think about inviting your friends to church because you want to be at a church where a lot of people go. Think about inviting your friends who are far from God to come be a part of something so that they can get a chance to rearrange life. So they can experience what you're experiencing. And so that they can see that whatever they do, whether it's in word or in deed, if they do it for the glory of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, they can thrive Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we love you, and I just, uh, I praise you for um, what you give us. Uh, I praise you for the chance to live and to thrive, and um, as we kind of wrap up our time in here today, help us to leave here getting started, not being finished, uh, so that we can be empowered, so we can be excited, Um, but I'm looking forward to what spring has to bring. It's it's just nice to, to spring the clocks forward and get a little more daylight in the evening, and the temperature will warm up and we'll be outside more. It's, it's just it's a picture of what life is like when you come into it and you cause, uh, you cause new, new plants to sprout in our heart. And we really can get out and, and, and change who we are for your glory. Lord, I love you and, and uh, thank you for this time we've had together. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.